0: Welcome to the Connected Families Podcast. I'm Stacy, your host. I am so glad that you tuned in today. In our episode today, I'm going to be talking with Jim and Lynn Jackson, co-founders of Connected Families, about one of the things that makes Connected Families unique from others. We're going to be talking about how the biblical perspective and science, science of the brain, and other therapies are integrated into how we approach parenting and connection within parenting. So welcome to the microphone, Lynn, and welcome, Jim. Hey, we're glad to be here.
1: Love this topic. Uh, Stacy.
2: it's good to be with you again. Us in our room, you in yours this time.
0: It is. Ever since COVID, we've often been in different locations and it's, it's worked okay, hasn't it?
2: almost as good as in person.
0: We would love to connect in person, wouldn't we, Jim and Lynn? <laughs> yeah. Which we do in other times. I get to talk to lots of parents, Jim and Lynn. And I remember talking to one mom who was a doctor. I talked to another dad just a couple of days ago, actually, I was interviewing him. He said he was very analytical. And I hear over and over again from parents. I think that, you know, we hear this all the time, but parents are so grateful when they read our books, when they listen to the podcast, when they take the online courses, that the parenting information that we teach, particularly through the framework Is such a solid combination of both Bible, biblical principles for parenting, for living our lives, like solid Bible, but also science, science and then practical tips that come out of that also. And so that's the conversation that we want to have today. We just want to dig a little bit deeper into that. And I know that it's really interesting because, you know, through Zoom, I'm looking at the two of you and I'm seeing that one of you is a little bit more science than the other isn't that true no
2: No. (laughs) come on I'm hatching monarchs in a jar in the kitchen right now
0: (laughs) tell me how that works with the two of you and your personalities and so how has that worked and then in the creation of the framework
2: it's such an interesting question question. actually I mean honestly I'm not sure we've ever like had long conversations about that. You know, I think that for me, in a manner of speaking, parenting, working with young people was always a fashion of science, only I just didn't think about it that way. It was an effort to figure out what works and what complicates things when it doesn't and to learn from my mistakes and to learn from my successes and to repeat things that worked and to not repeat things that didn't work and then to learn and grow. and And it made it look To the outside world watching and even felt to me in some respects like that was really intuitive when in fact it was trial and error tested you know throughout my youth really I mean I worked in my mom's child care center she enlisted me to work with these youngsters that she had a hard time with the challenging children and Jimmy could you go you know tend to that one or this one and and I'd try and it would be miserable and it would fail and they'd yell and scream and kick and I was like well I better do it different next time I did. And then it worked. So, you know, there's a fashion of science in my approach, even though I don't even think of myself as scientific necessarily.
1: Whereas I love learning about the brain. That's just my little thing. And I'm no scientist either, (laughs) but I just love little tidbits. And I feel like scripture is our North star. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. It sets the paradigms. It tells us what our end goal is. It really keeps us on track in the big picture. And then we also often find little tidbits in science about how to best be on that journey towards the North Star. Mm -hmm. It fine tunes our scriptural principles, you know, because God created our brains and bodies, and he wants us to understand his creation. So I love the intersection of that. And like I said, I'm no scientist, but I sure have fun reading studies and Mm -hmm. kind of developing little practical ideas. But I always see them in harmony with, with scripture. And if I ever see anything that's not, which I can't remember, but then I would not pursue that. Well,
2: and I want to get really practical even about what Lynn just said is in terms of how this all flows. Like I learned early on. For me to calm down, it was really helpful to do a certain set of something. For me, it was take a walk or take deep breaths in the heat of the moment. Like I learned, oh, I got to take a breath. And, you know, even our, my parents would say, Jimmy, take a breath, settle down, it'll be okay. And I'd be upset about, you know, some teacher striking out in the little league game or whatever. Jimmy, take a breath. You're crying, you hurt your knee. Take a breath, settle down. And then sure enough, I calmed down and it worked. Well, you know, we often will tell parents, you know, it's important to take a breath. And they're like, yeah, I'm not a take a breath type of parent. But then you do the research or you do the work. What does research say about breathing?
1: Well, it says that five deep breaths change brain chemistry. So just even that, you know, giving parents the specifics of how to implement Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, that's the North Star, but then how do I do that? And through science, we learn about mirror cells, we learn about practical self-calming mm-hmm. strategies that motion changes yeah. emotion. Yeah, the
2: shift away from energy in the amygdala to energy in the frontal lobe, right? Right.
1: Then mm-hmm.
2: taught me that one. Jimmy, you're in your amygdala today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it, 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 it just sort of ties the beauty of scripture with a with a bow, you know, to be able to see the two working together and, mm-hmm. and to see the like the detailed pen strokes with science in this beautiful, you know, collage of scripture.
0: That was beautiful. That was the perfect example of what our community gets every single week when they open their email. And they read this email that I know both of you and then some of our other team members are very much involved in is what's the scriptural basis for this? What is the North star that we want to be our foundation in our own identities and who we are in our perspectives, in our worldview. And then how can we bring science along to give us practical tips of how it actually works? (laughs) I loved that. I love that. The five deep breaths, not just one, we
1: need five. Yeah. And I've actually had a parent just tell me recently, because it, you know brain science says if you involve more sensory systems, there's a greater calming impact. So I suggested that she run her finger up her thumb, stop and look and find something in the environment, then down and then back up to the tip of the index finger. Each finger represents a deep breath, but pausing at the top to find something in her environment. And she said that was that combination mm-hmm. of deep breathing and orientation to the visual environment just really was extra calming for her. Yeah. So then we give parents practical stuff where they can really do the the gentle, wise, peaceful, loving responses they want to do.
2: Right. And see, I, so I listened to Lynn say this stuff. and like, I don't want to read the books and learn all the numbers. But when she tells them to me, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. And it makes me it makes me wonder, like, all right, what's the brain science of how the Holy Spirit Speaks well to us. What is that? How, how do we get into a place where the still small voice of God's Spirit? combined with the fruit of God's spirit that's planted within me by the miracle of how this all works to get to a place of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in the parenting of my children. Like what does my brain have to do? And if there's some physical things I I can do that science says that I could try to get my brain in a place where God's spirit can access it, then, then tell me what that is. So that I can do that, and that, are you going to tell us, Jim? Well, I mean, I've kind of referenced some of it already, but for you know, for me, my brain gets into a more receptive space. When I slow down my whole body, my whole approach to whatever it is that I'm dealing with, in most situations, there's Mm -hmm. times when things have to move fast because something's happening that requires fast action. So how do I keep my brain in that place, in a state of receptiveness, even to God's leading in the midst of a crisis that I have to act quickly? It's not by yelling. It's not by using intimidating words or intimidating postures. It might be by sitting down and being loud. It might be by taking a step forward and looking around quickly, but breathing and keeping my eyes open and attentive and aware. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is about, you know, for me, I think it's more like like clenching my hands tightly, that helps sort of moderate some of the emotion that might go out of control and keep me into a place where even though there's tension going on and my brain is fighting to just go into fight or flight, I can stay in that logical part of my brain, that reasoning part of my brain. And that's the spot, I believe, where I can respond to be responsive to, the, to God's prompting.
1: Yeah, I actually read a book on that. I can't remember the title right now. That when we, if we want to be in a listening posture for the Holy Spirit, we have to subdue the fight or flight amygdala centers, and we have to get our frontal lobe online because that's where we can process that kind of communication. Yeah, And I don't know about you
0: guys, but I just feel like I can hear the Lord better when I'm exercising and it's always been
1: that way. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: And Lynn, why is that?
1: Um, because there's a heightened energy, but it's a calm energy and it's motion changes emotion. So big, heavy muscle work keeps us in a really often keeps us in a, in a just right <laughs> arousal state, but we're alert. So it's relaxed alert. Cause I'm,
0: don't we love Lynn for this? We love you Lynn for this. That you bring
2: and all it, all this and in. It's so interesting because for me, what, what motivates me is what works. For Lynn, what motivates Lynn is not just what works. And you're always, and we have arguments about this. Like, (laughs) like Lynn, I don't need to explain why. I just, we're going to, here's, we're going to do this thing. Yeah, She's like, but why? What's the, what's the rationale for this? Why would that be better than some other thing that we do? And I'm like, Lynn is always, you're always digging for the why. Mm-hmm. And then the why helps you justify the what. For me, the outcome is, you know, and not to say outcomes aren't important to you right. and not to say whys aren't important to me, but right. it's just this leaning that we have that's different. And it really is, I mean, mostly fun to butt heads about things all the time. We doing in <laughs> the forward thinking what we're going to do and Lynn doing the the more present and sort of actually past thinking about what's been said and studied to show why this matters. Yeah. And then we figure out how to both hand-in-hand hand move forward into things, whether that's the founding of a ministry or dealing with couples or or stressed people that we're having conversations with or our own parenting or our own families of origin issues. You know, it's like, it's kind of that way through all of the things. Mm-hmm. Through all the things. I, I just want to say publicly right now, even though one day you brought a science book to a wedding that I was delivering... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I, I appreciate. No no, 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 <laughs> no. I appreciate your tenacity about the wives. I really yeah. do.
0: We all appreciate it. We all appreciate that input into all that Connected Families does. It's beautiful. And, you know, I have the framework magnet in front of me. We sell right. on our website. Awesome. If, if people have Taken the Discipline That Connects online course and received the welcome packet comes in, in the welcome packet. And we have scripture on each of the levels of the framework. And so the scripture on Ephesians 1, 3, which just seems fitting to mention right before we go to break, because it's the undergirding, it's the North Star that Lynn was talking about of all that we have just talked about. And and the verse is this blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's we have all of these tools available to us to learn how to calm and to learn that we need to, you know, rub our hands together and to get calm or to learn that I need to get on the treadmill to -hmm. be closer to the Lord and hear his voice. Like all, you know, to be able to read research like you do Lynn and be able to apply it to the work that God has given you. We love that. We're going to go to break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about how the Bible and science comes together in all that we teach and do here at Connected Families. Hey friends, this is Stacey. I want to take a quick break in this episode to offer you one of our popular free resources called the four most important messages you can send your kids. What messages do you want to send your kids in your parenting? Are you sending them? Do your kids know they are loved no matter what, even during moments of discipline? The discipline that connects parenting framework has transformed countless families, like Allison's. She says, I never wanted to be an unsafe parent. Seeing these four messages made it clear what the foundation is, safety. I wish I had felt safe, and I know I want my kids to feel it. I resonated with these messages and they remind me that there is hope and grace to be found as we parent. The four most important messages you can send your kids is free. I encourage you to go to our show notes for the link to download this free ebook. And like Allison, let it begin to transform your parenting too. All right, Jim and Lynn, we're back from the break and we're going to move on to the second layer of the four in our framework. And that is to connect. This is Part of our name, isn't it? Connected Families. And there's a lot of Bible here and a lot of science. So, who wants to start with which one?
2: Well, I think I want to say this, and I think it bears the audience knowing that Connected Families is actually named in great part because of the confirmation of the science to this idea of connection that was already kind of building in our ministry's DNA early on. You know, before we even started Connected Families, this idea of connection was really important to me uh, in my work with youth. And I read a book written by Larry Crabb in 1997 called Connecting. And I can't remember the byline exactly, but it was about the power of connective relationships for healing in the context of the church. I applied the principles of that to our work with youth really in two ways. One was it affirmed an awful lot of what I just had discovered worked well. And then the other was is that it gave me new ideas to connect with young people even more effectively and their parents more effectively. And it wasn't long after that, that God was quite clear with us that we needed to start a ministry that was aimed at helping parents connect better with their kids. And we named that ministry Cross Generation when we launched in 2002. And that name was confusing for people. They didn't understand it. We got phone calls about things that had nothing to do with parenting around this term cross generation. And so we started thinking about what should we call ourselves? And this document came out published by a group called the, Com- the Commission on Children at Risk uh, in about 2003 or 4, I think it was. And, and it was called Hardwired to Connect, the scientific case for building authoritative community. And authoritative community is not authoritarian community. It's community that takes its mandate to care well for children seriously, And this document, we read it, it's only about 98 pages. It was put out by the Institute for American Values and a consortium of universities and sort of a who's who list of scholars. It just lit us up because Mm -hmm. it confirmed so much of what we had been putting into practice and learning and literally preaching to people. And it's like no surprise when research corroborates what we believe the Bible had told us was right all along, but it sure was affirming and it sure became an open door for for people who didn't want to do just the Bible thing. But if you're talking science, well, you know, we're interested in that. Uh, And so it was early on that we sort of built our way into this combination of looking at, leveraging, feeling affirmed by, and then promoting science about connection that led to us naming the organization, renaming the organization Connected Families.
0: So let me understand, the article was not from a biblical perspective, but it affirmed what your faith and values were. And so that was the sort of beginning of this great synchrony
1: of science and Bible for you. Exactly. And so many of the things in it just had beautiful parallels in scripture. Like when they talked about these authoritative communities, they were communities that met regularly. They were communities that cared about the kids, the children within them. They were communities that taught, that connected well and were affectionate and relational. And they were communities that instilled Mm -hmm. values and even spiritual values. And so we're reading our way through this and it's like, well, that sounds an awful lot like a church, but they wouldn't use that (laughs) language. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) sure. It was, it was just sweet and encouraging and inspiring to read it. So the, the premise
2: of the book is that the research clearly compellingly shows that humans are hardwired to connect in two significant primary ways. One is in the context of warm, supportive relationships... And the other is in the context of connectedness to moral and spiritual meaning. And the scientists mm-hmm. argued that connection is hardwired into our brains somehow by evolution, by creation, by socialization, mm-hmm. uh, adaptation, we don't know. But they argued this hardwiring is is clear and compelling. And therefore, we need to put policy in place that protects the need of human beings to, to be in connected relationships. I mean, that was just so affirming to our call, to our purpose. I have to say that today, even as we're doing this podcast, Lynn is looking at her original copy, <laughs> beat up, earmarked, oh, wow. noted, highlighted. I I lost mine about three years in, and so I've relied on hers ever since. <laughs>
0: And I'm sure hers has all the highlights of the important parts. So you can just skim through it. Right. And I just want to say, we believe we know who hardwired that need for connection into us, don't we? We know that they didn't, but we do because our faith inspires that. And it was God, the father who created us. Yeah, behold
2: what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. That's a warm, overflowing, connected, affirming type of love that's spoken of there, that we would be known as God's children.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to throw in a little quote from this lovely document. Sure. About monkeys that were more sensitive, intense, just kind of at-risk monkeys. And when they were put (laughs) with nurturing moms that these generally at-risk moms are monkeys are raised in supportive environments. The harmfully aggressive behavior disappears, as does the excessive and binge drinking. Apparently they allowed the monkeys to do some (laughs) drinking to measure their their function, but there's more. These potentially at-risk monkeys not only survive, they flourish. They do very well. They appear to be especially successful in making their way to or near the top of the rhesus monkey social hierarchy. What happened? An improved social environment has changed a heritable vulnerability into a positive behavioral asset. So it says these kiddos that struggle more when we connect well with them, they can be the very ones that... And go on to channel all that intensity into positive leadership. So just a fun example of just the science that inspires us and Mm -hmm. encourages us to connect well and deeply with our kids.
2: And it compels me as a parent, when I hear this, to look inward. And there's that foundation part that we talked about earlier, to do some self-assessment, to do some reflection on two things. One is, how intentional am I to truly connect? Every parent will say, yes, I love my kids and I want what's best for them. The question isn't whether you love them. The question isn't about good intentions. The question is about your action. And the first part is, how intentional am I about those connective actions? And the second part is, is what would my children say about my actions? Would they say, Mm -hmm. yes, my mom, my dad works to connect with me or works to make sure I know I'm loved or works to make sure that that I know I'm deeply cared about? What would they say about it? Because our perspective is important, but our kids' perspective is equally important. And that's where connection in our minds truly happens. The hearts of the parent turn toward the children. The hearts of the children turn toward their parents is a biblical idea, a goal of connectedness, that leads to good outcomes.
1: So this is, again, where science comes in and gives us some specifics about effective ways to do that. And, you know, which is to pay attention to my nonverbal communication. If I'm just saying, when my child misbehaves, now, you know, I love you, but da, 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 da. That's not really going to connect with their hearts. And so most experts agree that 70 to 93% of communication is nonverbal. So as parents get in touch with what is my body communicating? What are mm-hmm. my eyes communicating? I just read recently something about, you know, if you're if you're tense with your child, raise your eyebrows. And I looked in the I kind of practiced it looked in the mirror went, like, oh my gosh, that's a huge difference. And then those mirror cells can kick in and pave the way for connection <laughs> again. You know, the the big guiding North Star is scripture of keep your hearts connected to your children. And then science helps us to learn more and more effective ways to do that.
0: And this is why we love connected families, because we bring it together and then we break it down into really simple ways that we can implement each day. And I think about, you know, the phrase move toward a struggling child. We say that in the courses, we say that as speakers in our workshops, you know, we think that all the time our child is struggling and no matter how it's showing up, if it's defiance or if it's, you know, not brushing your teeth, even after I've told you three times to brush your teeth or get in bed or whatever it is, we want to move towards that struggling child. And I love that or calm face. That was one of my very very first things. When I heard that, I was like, calm face. It's thinking, what is my child seeing when they look at me throughout the day? How often do I have just a calm, gentle face as I'm looking at them. I remember smacking my cheeks in the beginning, (laughs) Jim and Lynn, and to just remind myself, you know, what's my face look like right now?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Oh, such a good example, Stacey.
2: I think I may have actually found this first and sent it to Lynn, a piece of research that compelled the FBI to change their protocol about how they deal with hostage situations. So there's you know, there's, there's the perpetrator, probably has guns, probably is really angry, probably has lots of reasons that they are using to justify taking people hostage and making threats. And, you know, the FBI was struggling to figure out what do we, how, how do we get better results with these people? And it turns out that they, as they studied it, they recognized that that listening was the beginning okay. of in, uh, of influence. Ultimately, the goal is influence, but but listening is the first step, and then empathy, which is deeply connected mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. know that somebody understands you and your plight, is a huge thing. And you know, then it travels through rapport, rapport and
1: influence,
2: influence, and
1: finally and, behavior change. Behavior change.
2: Yeah. So we always want the behavior change first, but here's what the FBI's research has taught them is the way to reach the heart, the behavior of a hostage taker mm-hmm. is through the portal of listening and empathy, which are, the, those are the deeply connected things. And if it works for that situation, how about for us as parents? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> because I'm like just giggling inside. I think there are thousands of parents listening that feel like they've been taken hostage by, by their toddlers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. So then if you've been taken hostage by your kid, how do you want to model the sequence
1: mm-hmm. of
2: listening and of empathizing and of rapport. These kids would say, Yeah, mom and dad work really hard to develop good rapport with me.
0: Yeah.
2: Then influence and then behavior
1: change.
0: I love it. We're at the end of our time for this episode. I just want to you—you mentioned this verse a bit already, but it's Luke one seventeen, which is also on our framework under this level of the framework of the connection level, and it's—it says, "And he will go on before the Lord to turn the heart of the parent to their children." and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's again, the biblical foundation for this level that as parents and children turn their hearts towards each other, then we can experience the Lord in our lives. We can experience connection to each other and to him and to his purposes for
1: us. Beautiful. Yes. I think it's so amazing that the job description of the prophet preparing the way for Jesus, his first directive was turn the hearts of the parents to the children. Yeah. Yeah. Just sit in that for a while.
0: Mm.
1: It's really amazing. And that's what brings spiritual revival. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that connection. Well, thanks, Jim and Lynn. This was fantastic. I can't wait. I can't wait to come to the microphone again and then go through and talk about the last two levels of the framework and this Bible science connection. So we'll see you next time.
1: Alrighty, sounds great. Thanks, Stacey.
0: We want to hear from you. What did you find helpful from today's episode? Let us know by sharing a comment. And while you are there, please rate and review so others can find us more easily. Well, there are many ways that you can connect with us here at Connected Families. Over the last few months, we've been using Clubhouse to have live conversations and fun interactions. Every Wednesday at 7.30 a.m. Central Time, we open powerful prayers for our kids hour. We would love to have you join us. To find all of the information mentioned in our podcast or for more information on Connected Families, go to our show notes or go to connectedfamilies.org. We'll see you next time.